Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday morning. It's September 29th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this a feast of the Archangels. St. Michael, St. Gabriel, Raphael, pray for us. And by the way, you know, I mentioned this before. If you sign up for EWTN's wonderful newsletters, they're free emails, you get all kinds of great information. And today they have this fantastic page and actually shared a ton of the information in the first hour of my program, my two cent segment for my Michigan and Ohio listeners. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to do that in this hour because it's uh, just jam packed. However, I did want to remind you to sign up for the emails because for example, it's such a great teachable moment. Who are the archangels? The three archangels from the church honors by name are St. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. They're also the only three angels who are mentioned by name in sacred scripture. The Feast of the Three Angels is September 29th. In the traditional calendar, this was St. Michael's Feast Day, with St. Gabriel's being March 24th, the day prior to the Annunciation, of course, and St. Raphael's being October 24th. Communities EW10 tells us, which celebrate the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, still celebrate the three feasts. Now, that's just the beginning They have a great, great deal of information on this page all about the angels and what St. Thomas Aquinas has to say, what St. John Paul II has to say, scripture references, and so much more, what the church teaches. And what is the difference between an angel and an archangel? So it asks and answers some really terrific questions. So you can find that by signing up for EWTN's emails. And they're free and they're terrific. And I love them because they just give you so much insider information on what the church teaches on various issues, topics, and of course, saints, including Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Coming up on the program today, very excited to have Doug Keck with us. He is the president and chief operating officer of EWTN. He joins us on Fridays through the Inside Word to give us a sneak preview of what's coming up in the program. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on. We spoke yesterday with Father Mitch Pacwa about the upcoming Synod on Synodality, which starts next week. Joan Lewis mentioned it. Of course, EW10 is going to be covering it extensively, and Doug will give us the details. And then the month of October, a great month for saints. October coming up right around the corner, of course, and so many great saints, including early in the month, we have St. Francis and St. Therese, and then a little bit later on, my fave, St. Teresa of Avila, and so many more. At the bottom of the hour, our Fact Check Friday. I think you're really going to enjoy it. How about some good news for a change? So my friend John Hale, the owner of Corporate Travel in Michigan, with whom we partner on pilgrimage, as you know, his daughter is a student at Notre Dame, and he has two sons who also graduated from there, very successful young men and really holy kids, just great kids. And Elizabeth is the same. And she's in communications. She's not majoring in communications, but she's thinking about doing some in communications. She's already interned for Halo and for the Daily Wire. She's phenomenal. And so she wrote this powerful piece, and John sent it to me last night, and there's a story behind that, which I'll share with you. But it's so well written, journalistically, it's very well written. But what I loved about it is it's so positive, and she uses so many great analogies talking about the gold standard for Notre Dame. 
and looking at what's been done with the iconic statue of our Blessed Mother and what that means in terms of beauty. So it's very well done. And the reason it, it really caught my attention is because I just wrapped up a chapter for a new book in which I'm taking part with Kelly Walquist, Alyssa Borms, Dr. Mary Healy, and others, all about women in scripture. And my woman from scripture is Esther. And so with Esther, I'm talking about beauty and how beauty can make a difference in terms of the way we present ourselves. Not talking about necessarily dressing up in a fancy way, but how do we present ourselves before each other and before God? So it ties right into that. And I was just wrapping up the chapter last night when John sent me this article. I'm like, holy cow, this just ties in. It's such a coinky dink, but not really. All right, so that is the show for today. And then we'll close one more interview. We're going to close on the Box of Joy. Have you ever heard about that program? It's through Cross Catholic. They're one of our underwriters at Ave Maria Radio. But this is a very cool program and a very easy way you can make a dent in the major problems around the world of those struggling, especially the most poor and vulnerable in our world today. So we'll talk with the wonderful folks at Cross Catholic Outreach about the Box of Joy. And they're going out already for Christmas time, so we'll give you all the details. Now, the weather details there as well. If you're on the East Coast, you're in for some rough weather from Florida all the way up to New York City and Connecticut. You have a weather system, according to the National Weather Service, slowly moving through the Northeast today, producing widespread heavy to excessive rainfall across several parts of that region. The excessive rainfall threat may result in flash urban and small stream flooding, especially for the entire New York City metro area and again into parts of Connecticut. Locally heavy rain also possible down in Florida and that's all the way through today and possibly will hit over the weekend as well. So keep that in mind if you live in those areas or are traveling there this weekend. Right now, five minutes past the hour right now. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN. Let's get started with the news on a Friday. Catholic News Agency is reporting a fire that ripped through a wedding venue in northern Iraq has now killed more than 100 people in a majority Christian town that was still rebuilding after years of ISIS occupation. The hall on the Nineveh Plains burned on Tuesday night during a Catholic wedding celebration and witnesses and civil defense officials telling the BBC, the fire was sparked with hundreds of guests present by fireworks set off as the bride and groom were dancing. Archbishop Bashar Warda, who leads the Chaldean Catholic Archdiocese of Erbil, saying in a statement this week to EWTN News, patriarchs, bishops, and priests from all faiths gathered to bury those who had perished. He added, no words can adequately describe the mourning of those bringing their loved ones to their final resting place in an ancient land. He added, what was to be a time of joy has now turned into a whole community in mourning and deep shock. The Archbishop, by the way, for years, an outspoken advocate for the Middle East, persecuted Christians. Nearly one-third of the 80 Catholic parish elementary schools in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, as Catholic News Agency reports, will meet with reps from the Education Office this week regarding their current and future status. This came out of a statement released two days ago. The schools being met with were chosen based on enrollment numbers, demographic needs, parish and school financial strength, and proximity to neighboring Catholic parish elementary schools. Throughout October, the Archdiocesan Office of Catholic Education and Formation and the Episcopal Vicars will be meeting with pastors to talk about the long-term sustainability of their schools. 
The Archdiocese did say it expects to announce school changes in early December, possibly later for some schools, to be implemented for the 2024-2025 school year. And whoever stole items from a Fresno County church appears to have a sense of remorse, at least partially. Several items from the St. Rita Mission were discovered stolen last weekend. Most of the items found on Wednesday on the doorsteps of another Fresno County church. A note was attached asking for the items to be returned to the mission. A spokesperson for the Diocese of Fresno. The Holy Eucharist is still missing. Breaking news out of California. California Senator Dianne Feinstein has passed away, the oldest member of the Senate. She's California's longest serving senator. She passed away this morning at the age of 90. She had been in failing health for much of the past year. The Senate and House yesterday advancing measures to avoid a government shutdown this weekend that's looking more likely by the hour. The Senate voting 76 to 22 to approve a bipartisan bill that would fund the government until November 17th. It would include $6 billion each for domestic disaster relief and military aid to Ukraine to defend itself against Russia. The House passing three of four Republican measures funding parts of the government, but which would not prevent a shutdown, even if they could overcome strong opposition from Democrats in the Senate. And Jennifer Polsoni tells us it's sentencing day for the Long Island woman who pleaded guilty in the shoving death of a beloved New York City voice coach. As part of a plea deal to manslaughter charges last month, Lauren Pacienza admitted to randomly attacking 87-year-old Barbara Gustern in March of last year on a Manhattan street. The elderly woman who coached Broadway performers hit her head on a sidewalk in the Chelsea neighborhood, dying at the hospital days later. Pacienza of Port Jefferson had faced 25 years in prison, but with a plea deal, faces eight years behind bars. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is issuing subpoenas for Hunter Biden's bank records as part of the GOP's impeachment inquiry into the president. Comer discussing the matter on Fox News yesterday. We have bank wires that show that Biden's took $20 million from foreign nationals in at least five different countries. They can't say one thing they did to earn that $20 million. We also have evidence that they started 20 shell companies. House Republicans claiming the president improperly profited off his son's foreign business dealings. Yesterday, Comer releasing a statement saying bank records and witness testimony reveal Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. He also subpoenaed the bank records of President Biden's brother and Hunter Biden's associate. And the president of the United Auto Workers Union, Sean Fain, will take to Facebook Live. That'll happen in about an hour to announce the next steps in the strike against the big three Detroit automakers. Last Friday, he did expand that strike from three plants, one for each automaker, to add 38 GM and Stellantis parts plants. Ford so far spared any action last week due to the progress in talks, but the UAW says there's no guarantee about that this week. Mark Mayfield tells us U.S. mortgage rates jumping last week to the highest level since 2000. The contract rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage rose 10 basis points to 7.41% in the week that ended September the 22nd, as according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Home prices continue to rise amid the limited supply of homes for sale. 
Part of the reason for that lean inventory is because many homeowners don't want to move in the current high-rate environment because moving would cause them to lose the lower mortgage rate that they locked in years ago. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the central bank is going to keep borrowing costs elevated and could possibly bump them even higher if inflation fails to recede back toward 2%. Parts of the Northeast, as we mentioned in the weather forecast a few minutes ago, bracing for more rain to end the week. The National Weather Service says a high-impact flood event could impact millions of people in the New York tri-state area today. As much as an inch of rain per hour is possible, as well as flash flooding. New York City officials have issued a travel advisory through early tomorrow morning. And as we also mentioned for the National Weather Service a few minutes ago, heavy rain is also likely in Connecticut and New Jersey. Today is National Coffee Day. The National Coffee Association says about two-thirds of Americans drink coffee on a regular basis and drink on average about three cups per day. The FDA also says healthy adults can have four to five cups daily and still stay within that recommended caffeine limit. Studies also suggesting that moderate coffee intake could help you live longer and prevent illnesses such as heart disease and Parkinson's and depression. You can expect discounts, meanwhile, at some chains throughout the day. The biggest discount will be at Krispy Kreme, which is offering free coffee today to promote its new coffee blends. And finally, in our new segment at almost 14 minutes past the hour, on this a Feast of the Archangels, the final supermoon of the year, illuminating the sky, the harvest supermoon. Should be reaching its peak, and very shortly, a supermoon happens when the moon's orbit is closest to Earth, at the same time the moon is full, and it's typically about 16% brighter than an average moon. Very cool. All right, weather-wise, let's go back to the weather forecast because we do have a lot of weather and bad weather that's coming into the East Coast, up and down the East Coast. We mentioned this in the news and in the weather forecast, but the National Weather Service is saying we have potentially heavy rain for the Northeast and New York City. That weather system is slowly moving through northeast on Friday. That's today, of course, to produce widespread heavy to excessive rainfall. That excessive rainfall could result in a lot of flooding, especially for the entire area of New York City and into parts of nearby Connecticut. Locally, heavy rain also possible in parts of Florida, and that will happen today throughout the rest of the weekend. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, EWTN.com. We're co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, this program, AveMariaRadio.net. When we come back, our President and Chief Operating Officer filling us in on all the activity, expecting great coverage, as always, from big events, including the sit next week and the month of October, a big one for the Saints. So you betcha there's going to be all kinds of great programming as well on that. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. (laughs) AWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 
This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Thanks so much. Appreciate your listenership. We are EWTN, EWTN.com for more details. And as I mentioned, don't forget to sign up for the daily emails. They're terrific. Also terrific, the updates we get every week on Friday from Doug Heck, our president and chief operating officer with the inside word. It's a busy time, is it not, Mr. Keck? Good morning. Yeah, you know, these days it seems like it's always a busy time. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on uh, as far as our team working on events around the country and around the globe, obviously, with the Senate coming up in in Rome and and coverage there from our Rome office and obviously the news team. And, of course, we have other events uh, coming up. We've got uh, tomorrow we'll bring you the Ordinary Publicans History for the creation of the new Cardinals. That event will be happening 4 a.m. live Eastern, and then we'll replay it at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's tomorrow. We also have the Archdiocese of Philadelphia's Eucharistic Congress. That opening Mass is at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And then we have the closing event as well, which is at 3.15 in the afternoon Eastern time. That's from the Archdiocese. Um, And one of the talks on the close will be delivered by Mrs. Antonia Acutis, mother of Blessed Carlo Acutis. So that should be very interesting. And that is on Saturday afternoon. And then going to Rome at noon, we have the ecumenical prayer vigil uh, Mm -hmm. with the Holy Father. That's happening. Uh, And then reviving the Catholic Church in Eastern Russia is a new special that we've uh, acquired and will be airing at 2 p.m. Eastern Time uh, tomorrow. And then on Sunday, we've got Holy Mass at the annual Sea Services Pilgrimage. This comes each year from uh, the Seton Shrine in Emmitsburg, Maryland. So that's uh, one with the military archdiocese uh, and services there. That's going on. We've also got a program, it's a four-part series, Lead Kindly Light, Reflections on the Life of John Henry Newman, that will be running next week at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through uh, Thursday, and his feast day is coming up on October the 9th, so it's coming up on that next week. Uh, We'll have those special rolling into that. Also, Invited to Courageous Love, the Catholic Church and Homosexuality, it's a five-part miniseries, we'll be airing in an appropriate uh, late night uh, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, basically mm-hmm. next week. 
And then uh, with things happening, we've got the Holy Mass for the opening of the Synod on Synodality starting on Wednesday. So we will have that at 3 a.m. live, and then at 11.30 a.m. we'll repeat that event. And finally, next week, they might be Saints Mother Mary Teresa Dudzik, uh, a new episode of The Miracle Hunter, which is always very, very, very popular. And people can check that out next Wednesday. And, of course, go to EW10.com to find out the entire schedule of all our own multiplicity of programs and our various channels. And, of course, if you miss anything, check our YouTube channel, check our on-demand page as well, or go to our Podcast Central. Okay, quick question, because what's going on with the Synod is, is very interesting indeed. It's not the easiest situation to cover, even though there's a lot of people there with whom to speak and different representatives, different bishops and, and lay people and whatnot. But the sessions are closed, so the media right. are not going to have, even Catholic media, not great access, correct, or any access. Absolutely. There's going to be, probably be, depending on how they end up with uh, the level of quote-unquote secrecy, uh, you know, basically getting uh, an official, uh, you know, update at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, and, and again, uh, then you're relying on what is being uh, officially put out, which, you know, uh, most of the time is fairly accurate, but it, it, it hardly mm-hmm. is complete. And certainly, usually, in these kinds of things, are rounded to make them the most positive you can make them. And of course, for us, we're dealing with that. Uh, you know, uh, in depth, we'll have a wrap up at the end of the week uh, on its show with with Monsi and her team to kind of mm-hmm. give people an update at the end of the week next uh, Friday, starting what exactly our take is, what's going on. Obviously, Ray has his his own uh, Synod Central, I think he calls it, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. his team. Mm-hmm. So they'll be giving their take on those things. But as you indicated, a lot of it's going to be, quite honestly, secondhand information. Uh, and the concern you have with those kind of things is when you're not right. getting, you have a vacuum, somebody will fill it. And unfortunately, many times it looks like we will get the kind of, let's say, I'll use the term political term, liberal, more liberal spin and reflection, which is more popular in the secular media. That's where, you know, those kinds of things will be picked up more if it's talking about women deacons or women priests or, you know, homosexual blessings and these kinds of things. Uh, That'll probably be a lot of the spin we'll probably be getting. And, uh, you know, getting the actual facts is going to be a little more difficult. So we'll see how things go. Well, and that's why it's so important to have the Edward Pentons and the Raymond Arroyos and the others who who are following this, because you're going to get, you know, basically when you're looking at what is what we can find out, you know, getting the, as you said, secondhand information, because you can't go into any of these sessions. At least you'll have people on the ground, we do, who know the faith and are going to be able to explain it through the lens of scripture and teaching versus the secular media putting, as you mentioned, their own spin on it. And that's why it's so important. We talk all the time about, you know, Catholic radio and our Catholic news outlets and, and even our other programs where people, if you can stay in touch with what we're talking about, it'll make it a lot easier for you to comprehend when you hear the secular stories or the spin coming out of, let's say, America Magazine or The Reporter or some other, let's say, uh, notoriously more liberal, uh, progressive, let's say, uh, outlet. Uh, and, and contextualize that. And, and if you don't have that and you're just relying on what that media is saying and the secular media, uh, it, it can lead to a lot of confusion over exactly what's being said and what's being agreed to. Last but not least, we have about three minutes left. Can you mm-hmm. tell the story of Mother Angelica and St. Michael and the radio network? I, it was mentioned in, the, e- in right. the newsletter today that went out, the emails that went out, and I just okay. I shared it with my listeners in the first hour of the program. But I love that story. 
Well, the story as I know it was uh, they first went. They were they wanted to do the shortwave radio network, uh, and they they found this land that it was up on top of this mountain. Well, first of all. And, and I didn't know about this, but I mean, in, in understanding the story later, you don't usually build shortwave uh, facilities due to the nature of how it populates itself, its signal, on top of anything. You you tend to put it lower, uh, you know, shielded, similar to an earth station. Both earth stations with satellite mm-hmm. dishes, you don't put them on a mountain. You 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 put them in a hollow to protect them from other uh, terrestrial interference, telephone signals, other things like that, that that make it harder. So first of all, it's a location that's not usually right. And mother went up there and looked around and said, oh, you know, basically, well, this will work for us. And the engineer at the time, uh, basically, uh, Matt Scalisi, and whoever else was there with him, basic said, mother, this, you know, engineering wise, this, this is really not, we, this is not the place to put it. And she said, oh, really? Uh, and he said, yeah. She said, well, do you see St. Michael the Archangel standing over there? He said, no, I don't. <laughs> and she said, well, I do. This is where it's going. And, and that's where it went. And uh, the rest is history. And even the guys from the BBC years ago uh, came over trying to figure out how this station was operating on top of a mountain because it was co- is totally uh, contraindicated from an engineering perspective, but yet it worked, uh, which is typical of everything with EWTN. You know, uh, everything we do seems to run counter to what every the experts say it should be working but that's how god works that's why we know he's involved in it because if it if it made total sense and everything was behind it people could say well of course look oh, look at all the money the church put in look they got the best people in the world of course it's successful but when it's run by a nun who who's lucky she can walk um you know kind of a, a high school education how could this possibly be anything but a work of the lord yeah, because she always made sure that God got the credit for everything. Absolutely. And St. Michael, it's a great Absolutely. story. I love that story. Doug, thanks. Absolutely. Have a great oh, weekend. And anytime, my friend. All right, exciting things coming up. Coverage of the Synod, stay close to us for all of that. And as I said, sign up for the emails. They're so encouraging and uplifting. And speaking of uplifting, sharing a beautiful article with a young writer all about our gold standard as in our beautiful lady. We'll be right back. And again, Doug Heck, our president and chief operating officer, as he said, all the information he shared can be found. All the details on programming and so much more, EWTN.com. We'll be right back on a Friday. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church, we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. What do we mean when we ask our Heavenly Father not to lead us into temptation? Is it possible for God to tempt us? 
It is not, asserts the Catholic Catechism. God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. Translating from the Greek verb to a single English verb is the difficulty. The Greek verb means we are asking God not to allow us to take the way that leads us to sin. This petition addresses the battle between flesh and the spirit, imploring the spirit of discernment and truth. With the Holy Spirit, we can discern between trials which are necessary for our growth and temptations which lead to sin and death. Discernment also entails distinguishing between being tempted and consenting to temptation. It unmasks the lie of temptation which makes the object look desirable when in fact its fruit is death. God will never allow us to be tempted beyond our strength, says St. Paul. The battle, however, can only be won by prayer. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Welcome back. 28 minutes past the hour. Hope you're having a beautiful Friday on this Feast of the Archangels. Raphael, Michael, and Gabriel pray for us. So last night I was putting the finishing touches on uh, the revision of a chapter I'm writing for a book about wisdom, wisdom in Scripture, which is being published in conjunction with Wine, Women in the New Evangelization, and Word Among Us, our friends at Word Among Us Press. And it's all about advice from women in Scripture, and they asked me to write about Esther. And so what really strikes me about Esther is how she was able to do what she needed to do, despite the fact that she literally almost could have lost her life in doing so and going before the king and saving her people. Now, she is known to be very beautiful, and she was able to have that beauty be an advantage, not that she flaunted it, but have an advantage in the way she presented herself to the king after prayer and fasting in order to save the Jewish people. You're probably familiar with the story. If not, look it up in the Old Testament. It's an amazing story about Esther. So my point of my article is about, quote-unquote, dressing for success from the inside out. So from the inside, what did Queen Esther do before she went before the king, even though she was really, really frightened? She decided, if I perish, I perish, and she spent days in prayer and fasting, basically wearing sackcloth and ashes, And then she goes before the king, but she adorned herself before she went before the king because she's presenting herself to the king. And the rest of the story is he accepts her and and the people are saved. I'm really condensing that story. We won't have time to go through that whole incredible journey that she had that began with a message from her cousin Mordecai. Anyhow, so I'm writing about beauty and wrapping it up. And as I'm talking about beauty in the chapter, I'm talking about the importance of the way we present ourselves. And even tying in the recent debate in the Senate regarding the dress code. And if you remember the the debacle and the bipartisan, by the way, pushback that came after the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Schumer of New York, quietly relaxed the dress code in favor of the way, mostly in the way one senator was, was been dressing and has been dressing, and that's Senator Fetterman from Pennsylvania who likes to wear hoodies and shorts and tennis shoes even in the Senate chamber. And so a lot of people spoke up about, about this, and they ended up passing a more formal dress code. And there was a quote from a letter that was signed by 46, 46 members of the Senate saying that, look, look, this is important. The world is watching us, and we have to have a certain decorum when we represent our constituents. Okay, so then I tied that in because of the way we present ourselves. Not to focus all on the bling and fancy clothes, but there's a way we present ourselves to each other and to the Lord, and we all know that we have to. Obviously, when we go to Mass, make sure we're dressing respectfully. So I thought it was really a little God wink 
last night when my friend John Hale sent the article that his daughter Elizabeth, a student at Notre Dame, wrote on beauty. And our gold standard is the title of it. And it was posted on the Irish Rover website on September 27th. We're also sharing it on my Facebook page. But I'm using a couple of quotes of Elizabeth's in, in the book because the timing of it was I'm sorry, just far too coincidental for it not to be included. But what she's talking about is the idea, for example, sometimes when we improve something in our church, whether we do a new roof or whether we get a new statue of our Lord or our Lady or do some sort of work on the church on the exterior, it can be expensive and some people may have an issue with that. But her point is beauty will save the world. And in this case, she's talking about the university resources at Notre Dame that were used to basically re-guild the Golden Dome. She says, it's not that the Blessed Virgin atop our main building was not plenty golden enough before, but she was not as bright as she could have been. A symbol of Our Lady's protection of the university, it is important that the statue accurately reflect the woman that it symbolizes. It was not sufficient for Our Lady to be good enough. She had to be beautiful. She had to be excellent. And she describes how the painstaking and expensive task was a manual one applying, get this, 1,250 delicate strips of imported Italian gold sheets to the top of the second tallest building on campus. Was it worthwhile? Why did Notre Dame endeavor to re-gild the Golden Dome? Was Our Lady not bright enough before? And then she goes on to say, the pursuit of excellence is reflected throughout our campus. Much like the regilding of the dome, maintaining the perfectly manicured grounds is no small undertaking. The exterior beauty seen through these investments has led Travel Leisure Magazine to name Notre Dame the third most beautiful college campus in America. And even Architectural Digest, she points out, said that at Notre Dame, everything on these grounds works in harmony to create a place as beautiful as it is educational. She goes on to explain, and by the way, again, I'm posting this article on my Facebook page at Mrs. Teresa Tamio. This year, the university's institutional message, gold, reflects a knowledge, an obvious ode to the regilding of the Golden Dome and the Statue of Our Lady. This theme communicates the university's standard of excellence in all her pursuits. People come to Notre Dame because she is excellent. That is what attracts people to her. I don't have time to read the entire piece, but she goes on to talk about how we need to be attractive to people. She says, since the pursuit of excellence is an attractive quality, these exterior aspects of beauty are a fundamental part of the Great Commission. We were instructed by our Lord to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Matthew 28, 19, 20. When Christ, she says, is the source and final cause of that excellence, we attract others to him. It is by our excellence, then, that we are called to preach the gospel and to draw closer to Christ. But if we are repulsive to others, even interior piety may be insufficient to draw others to Christ. Neither can we excel if we are living in a way that is ugly and discordant. Thus, when Dostoevsky stated that beauty will save the world, this beauty should refer to harmony, both interior and exterior. I almost fell off the chair when I read this particular line because much of my chapter is talking about beauty from the inside out. No matter how well you look, how well dressed you may be, how coiffed, how neat, if you're not on the inside, if you don't have a good heart, and especially if you are not connected to God, it's not going to make any difference. 
And she says, neither of these will ever be achieved. Harmony between the interior and the exterior without a well-ordering of our lives toward a standard of excellence. It's an excellent article, and it's so uplifting to see a young person in college get it in terms of beauty. Beauty does save the world. That's one of the reasons why Deacon Dom and I are so interested in taking people on pilgrimage. When you see beauty, whether it's a natural beauty, whether you see the Pieta or you walk into St. Peter's, see whatever it is, beauty makes us think and look up, at least in my personal opinion. And we need more of this more reminders of what beauty can do. Our faith is so deep. Our faith is so beautiful. And of course, we know Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, and I talk about this in my chapter as well, she understood that. Why was it so important for Our Lady, especially, for example, with the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe to dress and appear a certain way? Because she wanted to appeal to the Aztec people where so many human sacrifices were being performed. And the way she dressed, the color of her skin, even her hands, it's so much detail, it's mind-blowing. Beauty matters. It can save the world. If we understand it, as Elizabeth Hale says in this article, from a gold standard and truly from a Catholic perspective. We'll be right back. The best way for the church to respond to this new woke religion is to actually begin to see it as religious. What they're offering is a new sense of believing, a new sense of belonging, and a new sense of behaving. They have new commandments uh, regarding tolerance and inclusivism and multiculturalism and egalitarianism. And what's remarkable about this is that the woke people seem to think that the Christian faith is a barrier. Look, Christianity has always taught that the gospel was a universal message. Christ died for all. All human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And we all have solidarity in the fact that we sin. And yet the church gets no credit for its great cultural achievements. Look, the church has already welcomed every nation, family, and tribe. We are the first universal people. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Rochelle. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the President of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence, and in proportion as we believe that He is present, we shall have them, and not to have them is not to realize, not to believe, that God is present to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually 
I'm operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000. And they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Dr. Ray Garendi. What is criticism exactly? If you pay close attention, do you notice what most criticism is? Oh, it's not because you're doing something wrong or hurtful, something that needs corrected. Most criticism is you're not doing it the way I would do it. Or you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. That's what most criticism is. And you have to get good at sorting that out. Otherwise, you're going to get real upset when anyone says anything about what you are doing. Now, of course, you could turn this on yourself. Do you do that? Is most of your criticism a message to someone else that says, you're not doing it the way I would do it? Well, save your criticism for things that are really wrong. This is Cy Kellett. Join me for Catholic Answers Live. It's two hours dedicated to Catholic apologetics and evangelization. Designed for Catholics and non-Catholics alike, it's your opportunity to hear from and talk with some of the leading apologists and theologians in the church today. You've got questions? We've got Catholic Answers. Catholic Answers Live, weekdays, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Joan Lewis of Jones Rome and Joni my goodness a full plate all kinds of things to discuss what shall we start with how about the uh, maybe the audience today oh sure well there was a, a lovely audience and uh, a beautiful sun splash St. Peter's Square just filled with people who uh, you know it, we haven't had a stop to I don't remember the last time you were in Rome, but we have not had a stop to, to visitors, to pilgrims, to tourists. It's just been uh, an, an awesome period. But there's people who, you know, finally they feel good about travel, and they are traveling. And mm-hmm. we see the papal audiences filled. We see the, um, you know, Sunday Angelus. I think it was 20,000 or something in the square on Sunday. But... Um, this week's audience was dedicated, as it always is, after a papal trip, to Francis's, Pope Francis's trip to France. Well, not to France, but to Marseille in France. It was not a visit to that nation, but to that city. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Had a little bit of an interruption there with the Internet, so we ran a little bit of Joan's interview from Wednesday regarding, uh, of course, the Pope's trip to Marseille and then the upcoming Synod. But now we have Michelle with us, and we can talk about the things that matter most, as Al Cresta always says, and we are talking about how to make a difference. Now, sometimes we can see 
so many horrible problems in the world and so much poverty and so many people in need that we can forget that, you know what, God is still in charge and he gives us people like the wonderful folks from Cross Catholic Outreach. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning with the Box of Joy. And it's great, again, to have Michelle Sangarino on with us, and she's a president of Cross Catholic Outreach. Michelle, thanks for your patience. Technology is great when it works. Good morning. Always great to hear from you. <laughs> Good morning. It's great to be with you today, Teresa. Great to be with you. We're we're coming towards uh, Christmas, aren't we? Yeah, I was <laughs> just going to say that. Days. We're talking about Christmas already, and it's actually just under three months away, if you can believe it. So if people are not familiar with the Box of Joy gift sets, tell us about them. Oh, of course, of course. Box of Joy is a gift ministry through Cross Catholic Outreach, and it's a Christmas uh, shoebox. And we are mobilizing parishes, schools, groups, and individuals to donate and fill up these shoe boxes that we provide to everyone with toys and clothing, school supplies, all sorts of great items for children to be blessed in about eight countries around the world. Some of the poorest of the poor children are receiving this. We pick up all the boxes all across the United States and bring it to our national screening center. And we put a rosary and a story of Jesus, of course, in the language of each country for the children mm-hmm. to receive. Beautiful, beautiful way to, to celebrate Christmas. So can you still get involved in this or is it, is, is it already kind of on the move? No, this is the time. We're kicking it off. I mean, it's 87 days till Christmas, but it's 28 days. October 27th is the last day for group sign-ups. We want everybody to mobilize their parishes, their schools, their volunteer groups to help us provide a Christmas gift for children, believe it or not, Teresa, that have never received a gift before. Mm. So how do you go about choosing what areas of the world you're going to cover with the Box of Joy? Well, as you know, Cross Catholic Outreach um, has a ministry of helping the poorest to the poor all year long. We work with many, many partners, about 263 projects around the world in 36 countries. So we've provided over $4 billion worth of aid for water, housing. Like you were saying, we hear a lot about the bad, but the church The missionaries in the field from the church are doing amazing, amazing work. So we usually come alongside those existing partners with this program. Um, They just have to have the ability to distribute the gifts and to really share with the children as they distribute the gifts that this really represents Christ's love. This is love coming from individuals they may not know to bless them for the holidays. Yeah. And so what's the response you get? What do you hear from not only the regions, but the children? You, do you have communication with the children who receive the gifts? We do. We hear on both sides. Here in the United States, we are seeing, Teresa, especially with the economy as it is right now, people are thirsty for this beautiful type of interactive program and really wanting to get involved. And then on the other side, in Malawi or Dominican Republic, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, many of the countries that um, we're able to distribute, the children are so, so excited. You'll either see them do like our children, rip open the gifts and just are putting them all on and laughing and sharing that joy, or I have also seen where they open it, kind of shut it, 
And I think, hmm, what's, what's going on? Well, we found out that many children want to treasure that and save it to bring home and share with their brothers and sisters. Their response is so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful. So you can do this on both the individual and the diocesan levels, correct? You can. Um, you can look on our, web, on our website, boxofjoy.org. You can see the drop-off centers. So if you decide, I want to do this at my parish level, and you say, okay, I need 100 boxes, we're going to try it, we will register your group online, your parishioners can go shopping, then they come back and drop off the boxes with a $9 donation that helps the ministry partner and also pays for shipping. And then those can be brought to a drop-off center so that we're collecting all in little hubs or you can become a drop-off center. So we, we have, the Knights of Columbus have lifted up this program across the United States in such a big way, and the National Council of Catholic Women, Boy Scout Group, all across the country people have. But if you wanted to do it individually and your parish or school isn't doing it, you can still go on boxofjoy.org and sign up. Or if you're like many people and you're too busy, you can go on there and do a box of joy online where we will actually fill your child's gift box for you. So how do you decide what goes in the, in the gift box? Is it dependent on the needs in the areas? It is. You know, what we're seeing is this is such a great way for children to fully understand and learn by watching um, us as parents or grandparents the love that we give for others, right, and the less fortunate. So when I was doing it, I would go to, with my children, to the dollar store and fill it up um, and see what they would like to provide, you know, get their input. And the good thing is you can select giving a box for a girl or a boy. You could give a box for a two- to four-year-old, five- to nine, ten- to fourteen, so that you're giving appropriate items. And then when we're distributing them in these various countries, we'll be able to align that with the right child to receive that gift. And so, again, how do we take part in this, Michelle, if people are interested? I would love, love to mobilize as many groups as possible. We have 1,000. Our goal, 1,000 groups, our goal is 1,500. If you go on boxofjoy.org, you will see. Just scroll down a little bit on the page, register your group. And we will take care of everything. We will send the boxes. We will send you the brochures for the donation and all the materials that you need. That is so awesome. It, it just, it's just something that you can do because I think sometimes we feel so overwhelmed, don't we, when we look out and see all the bad news. We do, but there is such joy. I just got back from Gua- a trip to Guatemala, and again, the missionaries in the field, they're such heroes. And people have the joy of the Lord. Right? And this extra gift, I think, of love, it makes everyone feel good, doesn't it? It blesses a child. It blesses their family. It's an easy, easy thing to do. Um, and it, it, the impact is huge. Since the inception, um, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary wow. of Box of Joy. Yeah, so since the inception, over 500,000 children have been blessed with a gift. We just want to continue that legacy. We just want to continue sharing that joy. Half a million. What does that feel like? (laughs) Well, 
it feels really good considering when we started and we thought we really want to phase in action activity. We want to mobilize the church here. We want to bless children in developing countries. Two dioceses signed up, and we said, let's just do a test. Let's just see how how that feels right now, you know, and do people mm-hmm. respond to it? And looking and seeing the response, now we have 167 dioceses participating. 167. So we want to come together and celebrate the good in the world, right? We want that. Amen. So, Michelle, before we let you go on a Friday, how do we get more information on Box of Joy so we, too, can be joyful about making a difference? Well, go ahead and sign up. The deadline for groups is October 27th, and you can go to boxofjoy.org and join thousands of volunteers across the United States to bless children internationally. All right, Michelle, thanks so much again, President of Cross Catholic Outreach. We'll have all the details on our archive section at AveMariaRadio.net and Catholic Connections, so check that out. We'll be right back. When we come back, I want to tell you about something I'm going to be doing, God willing, next week in Jefferson City, Missouri, and I hope you can join us. This is for the ladies. It's a special two-day women's conference, and it's selling out quickly, so I did want to just make a little reminder, just a little plug at the end of the show. It is a Friday. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and we'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Do you or your spouse snore but won't get help? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Many of us go to bed and can't get a good night's sleep because we have sleep apnea. Then we get excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue, or concentration issues. Untreated, this can lead to heart failure, hypertension, and even diabetes. The first thing to do is go to a sleep doctor. The ultimate solution may be a CPAP machine. This machine provides positive pressure in our airways and alleviates the obstructive breathing issues associated with apnea. So many of us know this, but we still won't get the help we need. Here's one more reason to get your breathing fixed. A recent study indicates that the effects of sleep apnea may cause us to age the equivalent of 10 more years. Now make that appointment with a sleep doctor. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. This Ave Maria Radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. Wishing you a blessed last weekend of September 2023, early fall. Uh, some rough weather on the East Coast, but some nice areas as well. If you can get out and enjoy it, do, but take us with you with all the special programming. Easy to do online at EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Okay, so next weekend, God willing, the creek don't rise, as I like to say, we uh, will be in, I will be in actually, 
Jefferson City, Missouri, for a diocesan women's retreat, October 6th and 7th. And you can find out on my website under the events section. It's TeresaTamio.com, and I'm really looking forward to it. We are going to be talking about a number of different things, especially about your royal heritage as a daughter of the king. And we are going to be looking at a lot of things pertaining to Queen Esther, as I mentioned. I love to write about Queen Esther. So it's called Defined by God, Sent on Mission, and Fortified by the Eucharist. Again, there is a link directly on my homepage at TeresaTamio.com, just under the event section. They have a ladies' night out on Friday, October 6th. The doors open at 6 p.m. And then the fall retreat is on Saturday the 7th, and doors open at 9. They have some books to sell. They have some bling to sell related to being a daughter of the king. It's a lot of fun. And all the information is on their website. And the ladies are so dedicated, and they're really working hard on getting the word out. And my understanding is... They're close to selling out, so I just wanted to give it a plug. If you're in that area or can drive to it, because it's kind of central, there's an easy access to it, check it out online. You can also go to the diocesan website for the Diocese of Jefferson City. God willing, talk to you on a Monday. Have a beautiful weekend. We'll see you later. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.